Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Today's podcast, we're going to be jumping into a number of UK equities as well as looking at the key themes in markets out there at the moment. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Hello, John. Good to be here again. Alan, we've been speaking for for many months now about the FTSE 100 and how it's disconnected to some extent from the underlying reality of the UK economy. Of course, the FTSE 100 isn't a very good representation of the UK economy. It's very defensive in its nature, there's some major dollar earners in there, which over the last week have been a big support for the FTSE 100 with the weaker pound against the dollar. This morning, once more, we have broken to all-time highs on the FTSE 100, now trading very comfortably above that level of 7,900. But you know, we obviously discuss how the FTSE 100 isn't a representation of the the UK economy. But it seems as though this morning that a report from a think tank has suggested that the UK may actually indeed avoid a recession. That seems to be boosting sentiment across the board. So, you know, when we're looking at these moves, Alan, do you think this is a case of momentum starting to build in the FTSE 100 now? I mean, compare it to the United States they're still relatively choppy, although they're well off their their lows. But when we're looking here in the FTSE 100, it's been more of a steady build to the upside. When we're looking at these reports that are coming out, of course, they're not yet confirmed. And we're seeing the contradictions from the Bank of England that, that are still predicting a recession, albeit a lot shorter and uh, shallower than they previously thought. Alan, does all this build to a situation that, yes, okay, the companies within it are not operating to a large extent here in the UK and that they're earning a lot of their revenues from overseas, but just that general sentiment around the UK and its companies that are listed here, do you think that has a potential to, to see the FTSE gain further from here? Absolutely. Uh, and isn't it great? I mean, this is this is really positive news. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, or NISA, um, you know, came out today saying that the forecast um, uh, with the squeeze on incomes will still make it feel like a recession because obviously, you know, we're paying more for energy bills, we're paying more for food in the shops, uh, inflation is still rampant. But, um, but the as we said last week, the uh, what the Bank of England had done, they've managed the situation very well, I think, by painting a very black picture. And now, perhaps we're seeing that it's not going to be quite as bad as that. You know, it's still very difficult. And a lot of families I know are suffering um, as, as we're talking through this. But um, but certainly, certainly, um, uh, the UK economy is very much based on a, a cocktail of stocks which are exposed to the global economy. And of course, um, we're going to talk about BP in a minute, but we've seen our huge oil majors, BP and Shell, produce, uh, you, you know, or, or report fantastic uh, profits um, and uh, really, uh, uh, which really uh, represents where the markets are um, right now in terms of 
they're seeking seeking out um, uh, energy resources as an alternative, of course, to Russia. And this is uh, th- this is a key driver, I think, for the FTSE going forward. And of course, along with that, um, along with that, we've 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 got a an economy that's now uh, decoupled from Europe, as it were. Uh, you know, we we are we, we're a Brexit-based economy. We can now go out and pitch for contracts worldwide without uh, the encumbrance of the uh, EU shackles. So that's a good thing, I think, from a business standpoint. Uh, you know, and I, I know a lot of people will probably be shouting right now and saying, how could you be so wrong? Brexit's been a disaster. It's not been easy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I still think uh, going forward that uh, UK PLC can really come out of this very well. But certainly, uh, it, you know, to... To, to come back to the FTSE itself, um, can it go higher? I mean, we're we're a few points off eight thousand, and I think that's a big barrier. Once we break through that, you know, I think um, I think uh, the 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 index could continue to power higher. I mean, there are a few issues that could uh, put the brakes on there. Um, there was a report out this morning, of course, about U.S. Treasury yields rising, um, and of course, if uh, you know yields rise as an inverse to the stock market, generally speaking, um, but of course that uh, Nun Farm report last week, um, you know, showed uh, showed you know w- was very strong indeed, and of course that um, that could uh, drive investors, uh, you know, into treasury um, uh, uh, treasuries once again, and of course if that happens, then you know it may it may put the brakes on any stock market rally for the time being. But fundamentally, um, we're coming out of COVID. We have it, some global emerging economies that have been sitting still for two for two years effectively because of COVID, and those economies will be resurging. Um, and those have to be serviced in terms of uh, raw materials, in terms of technology, all of that. So, um, yeah, yes, I think the FTSE will push through eight thousand, and I hope that with this cautious, pragmatic approach taken by central banks and the Bank of England, in the case of the UK, will continue to manage uh, and manage expectations going forward um, and, uh, and and see the UK economy progress and come out the other end. Indeed, indeed. Of course, we talk about the FTSE 100, but it's quite interesting also to see what's happening with the FTSE 250 and, mm. and also the, the AIM markets. I mean, when, when you're looking at the global picture, the FTSE 100 does it does its own thing to some extent over a longer over a longer time period. You know, it's not really produced much in the way of returns over the last decade and, and even longer. It does provide a good yield, but in terms of capital appreciation on the index, there's very little there. But what's quite interesting to see is the FTSE 250 and the A market starting to come back to life, and that's really got a high correlation with economic indicators such as UK consumer confidence, of course, uh, GDP figures here in the UK. We've been looking here at what's you know the correlation between the AIM market and consumer confidence, because of course, it's a market that's, that is dominated to some extent by, by private investors, uh, especially some of the, the lower market cap companies there. And when they start to feel good about the economy, they they tend to invest more in, into these smaller yeah. companies. And we're really starting to see a, a pickup now in in the AIM. Uh, you know, it's been very heavily hit last year, of course, as we saw a deterioration in consumer confidence and, and other key economic readings here in the UK. But if we do avoid a recession, 
here in the UK. That's going to be a big boost to consumer confidence. It's going to be a big boost to investor sentiment. And they're particularly interesting uh, indices to look at. Of course, they're they're inherently more risky than the FTSE 100 and the, the companies in there are particularly volatile. But if you have any favourites there, sometimes you, you see them and you look at their valuation and compare them to the fundamentals of what the company's doing and there's a bit of a disconnect when really the the trade is dictated by the wider feeling in, in the investor community Again, it comes back down to consumer confidence. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of the year. And if we do avoid a recession and maybe return to reasonable growth figures towards the end of the year, I think that's going to be very much down to to what happens with central banks and inflation. That could be a sector to look at. But Alan, we're we're going to stick with the FTSE 100 company now for the first stock that we're going to discuss this morning it's one that's inextricably linked to the UK economy. It's Barrett Development. Of course, a terrible year last year for the house builders in terms of their share prices. There has been somewhat of a resurgence so far this year. And, you know, looking at the numbers from Barrett's in terms of their trading, January's been more positive than than one would think. But what's the, the main takeaway from their update this morning? It's, it's a very strong update. But, uh, of course, the... The issue that uh, that they state very clearly in in the announcement is that it's uh, that visibility is is really hard to call um, because the the full year outlook depends on how selling in spring goes and of course there's we, we, we've seen the the housing market uh, uh, come off you know a, a, a fall in housing values which traditionally should attract um, should attract uh, people into the market at lower prices but of course I think. You've got a generation now who are buying houses who have just been used to seeing uh, property just continually rise in value. And with these falls, with the global macro picture so uncertain, that's creating an awful lot more uncertainty. And of course, it's hard for companies like Barrett's to um, accurately forecast how sales are going to go because something could happen next week that could um, that could provide a huge driver for that. Conversely, something could happen next week that uh, that puts the dampeners on on uh, on uh, mortgage offerings and and all the rest of it. So so there are so many factors that are interconnected here. But you know Barrett's have delivered a good set of results today. Nearly seven percent uh, growth in home completions to um, uh, w- with adjusted pre-tax profits up to nearly sixteen percent to five hundred twenty-one million at the half-year point. Um, forward sales at 29th of January uh, were. Just under eleven thousand homes last year. It was fifteen and a half thousand homes, um, and the value, of course, it was it is two point six five six six billion. So, so that's that's a positive. You've got that forward visibility, not as good as last year, but of course, as I said just now, the the, the issue is with Barrett. Um, of course, it's uh, how the spring selling season goes, and there are so many variables in that mix. It's it's really hard to call. But um, but what uh, Barrett has done to try to respond to this, it's um, it's it's uh, it's cut down on the amount of land approvals it's um, it, 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 it's uh, it's committed to, and of course um, this these are how the, the house builders work. They have a huge land bank on which to develop and build, so there's always work in progress. So Barrett's um, Barrett looking forward, it's cut down on the amount of land approvals because again with that uncertainty. 
um, a, a pragmatic approach is, is the best course of action. Um, it's also cutting down on hiring too. So of course that in itself has a knock-on effect, less people hired, less jobs. Um, and of course it's cutting down the amount of uh, site openings too. So, um, so we've got all these factors, but uh, I sense that uh, should the company need to, it can ramp up and improve or, and increase on those uh, on, 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 on uh, hiring, well, both hiring more people, increasing the amount of land it buys back in. I sense it can change that pretty quickly, but certainly the outlook's uh, moderately good. Uh, we've obviously with the forecast from the Bank of England now and uh, this uh, the report this morning for, from NISA, that, uh, that it doesn't look like the UK is going to go into a recession. It's all great stuff. But um, certainly in terms of vis- visibility, it's a bit of a tough one. Um, the the barrel share price is, uh, is up slightly today. So I think it's been generally well received by the city. And of course, we look at the share price performance for the year. Shares have traded as high as six six pound fifty on the year or six fifty three as low as three just over three pounds. Currently trading four pounds seventy, um, and that's up from the lows in October last year. So, so yeah, would I? Pro- I would probably, if I had the shares now, I, I would hold the shares. You've got a very strong dividend yield of nearly eight percent, so that's uh, that in itself is pretty much keeping up with inflation. Um, but uh, would I buy the shares now? Maybe I'd sit on my hand for a while and see if the share the price comes back a bit. But still, still a fairly good outlook, uh, all things all things considered. Indeed, as you mentioned there, the, the upcoming selling period is going to be key for, for Barrett's, not only Barrett's, the uh, the rest of the house builders. And, that, and then just looking at the share price here, very heavily hit last year. But so far this year, year to date, they're up 13%, which is actually quite uh, quite a lot off their, their lows as well. So it looks as though there's been an element of, of the market pricing in a situation which isn't going to be as bad as first thought last year. So, yeah, as you say, Alan, one uh, one to watch and certainly a sector to keep an eye on for, for any weakness. So moving on now, Alan, it's a company that actually reported yesterday. It's BP, but these are definitely worth revisiting today because they're up 3%. Barclays analysts have given BP a bumper £10 price target so that's roughly double where they are now so Alan obviously looking at the numbers what what do you feel were uh, the key drivers in that very generous price target there well I think the the, the numbers are, are quite simply based on the fact that um, hydrocarbons given the uh, global energy crisis given the, the uh, Russian invasion and the fact that uh, oil and gas supplies from Russia have li- are literally being turned off um, there's a need to find it elsewhere, and although the although the lobbyists will be uh, and are protesting furiously at uh, BP's change in plans in this regard, um, you can understand why why the analysts are looking at the company and saying, well, it's got a lot further to go. I mean, tw- record profits, twenty seven point seven billion dollars. Um, that's that's astonishing, and of course, uh, the outlook for the group. Uh, we we're looking at um, two thousand twenty two EBITDA of uh, 61 billion dollars um full year operating operating cash flow 41 billion it's also lowered its net debt to 21.4 billion which is the lowest for almost a, a decade um and uh the company's got the strongest upstream plant reliability on record but of course um bp made a commitment um uh to cut oil and gas production 
by 40% in 2019. That's now changed. It's now cutting oil and gas production by 25%. It's investing, of course, a, a huge amount into renewables and into um, into into into, into low carbon. Uh, it, 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 well, en route to its low carbon transition. What what is what it calls the TGEs, the transition growth engines. So the company is definitely making progress in that regard. But of course, g- global macroeconomics have changed. You know, the uh, the fact is that. Um, uh, hydrocarbons will be around for longer, and I'm also hearing as well that um, the uh, the much touted EVs, of course, that uh, um, in, in fact uh, my wife and I test drove one a few a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it was very impressive. But um, people are now that uh, there are stories of people bringing their EVs back to dealers and uh, swapping back to uh, either hybrids or conventional petrol or diesel engines. So. So simply because of the cost of electricity. So if we have sustained energy costs for a period of time, all of a sudden the the uh, the compelling economics for owning an EV changes. Um, so I think BP, you know, are are realizing this, and of course they're directing their massive resources in the direction where where, where they're needed. But um, a ten-pound price target, I think that's quite uh, attainable. Um, you know, given the production, of course, given the given given the cost of oil um, at the present time, and also the demand now for alternative supplies. So that applies, of course, to Shell as well, uh, Royal Dutch Shell, that produced a similarly strong set of results. But certainly, um, you know, BP shares are powering up, and I think uh, I think you know, you look at the performance uh, yesterday, you look at the performance. Uh, uh, really, uh, since um, since July last year, it's been top right hand corner stuff all the way. Shares up a further three percent today on the back of that note. So um, sky's the limit, um, and certainly dividend yield of three and a half percent. You know, if you're holding BP shares now, continue to hold. And you know, there's an argument to add too. Yes, I mean these are all always uh, companies, including Shell as well. Any weaknesses. Always at some point bought back into huge cash flows there, huge cash generation from BP over the last year. That's led to increased buybacks as well as an increased dividend. You know, the, the dividend yield isn't as high as it has been historically, but of course, we're coming in a very t- a tough period for for BP. So it's going to be interesting to see how this holds up and. Now, how long? I think probably the question is that target from Barclays of ten pounds. How long it takes to to get up there? Because that's a that's a huge move and a huge creation of market capitalization for for BP to get anywhere near that uh, that price target. So certainly will continue to be an interesting company and sector to watch for the rest of this year. So staying in the in the sector, but a slightly different company in. in really focused in the exploration side of things. Deltic Energy, Alan, shares are up, let's have a look here, to about 20% as we speak. What's driving that move? Yeah, so we spoke about Deltic Energy uh, a few weeks ago, and this is, uh, I think what's happened at Deltic is indicative of just how important new oil and gas discoveries are for the for the UK economy and, of course, for, you know, for the global energy supply uh, crisis. Um so, so uh, Delta Energy have a portfolio of assets uh, in the Central North Sea, which of course is uh, is, is off Aberdeen um, and uh, off the uh, 
of, of the East Scotland coast, and then the uh, the Southern North Sea, which is uh, off the coast, off off Hull, and uh, along. In fact, if you drive up the East Coast, uh, as as I have uh, frequently, you can see uh, you can see a lot of the the rigs actually in the distance uh, when when they, when they burn off uh, some of the some of the oil. Um, so so Deltic uh, have a bunch of assets. They have the Saline well, which they will be starting to drill shortly, but they have a 30% interest in the Pensacola uh, license, which is being drilled by Shell. And this morning, um, the, the reason the shares are up is that they announced a significant oil and gas discovery. In fact, it's so significant, um, 302, uh, uh, billion, 302 billion cubic feet of gas is the EUR estimated ultimate recovery. So that is uh, pretty strong stuff. And it's the it's one of the largest oil and gas discovers uh, in the north in the southern north sea for well over uh, um, well over 10 years so really a really important significant discovery um the chief executive graham strandells uh, said it was a major milestone in the development of the company um and of course uh, you know these these numbers uh, it's going to open up open up a new play in this of course mature Basin for exploration, discovery, and production. Um, but uh, but uh, you know the company is very much looking forward to working with its partners. So the shares have come back really strongly, as you rightly say. Um, the 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 shares are now trading three point two p. So off off slightly off the highs this morning. The company's got a valuation of fifty one million. I, I suggest with a fine like that at thirty uh, percent stake and the other assets it owns um, that still materially undervalues the company uh, not forgetting of course the company raised 15 million and 2 million uh, further 2 million in an open offer last year um, and uh, of course uh, the, uh, the the um, uh, Michael Spencer the old city grandee now has 18 uh, um, 18.8% of the company um, in the stake uh, currently he owns just under 17% before that so you know, this is a this is a, a really strong uh, uh, small oil and gas exploration company to own, and I think based on the demand for um, energy going forward, based on what we've just discussed about BP and you know BP reducing its commitment to clean energy, hydrocarbons are the way forward. Yes, it certainly looks like it is when you're looking at Delta Energy shares this morning. So of course, fifty one million market cap. It's a racy stock. It's not for the faint of heart, but one would think as that particular discovery is, is further developed, there could well be some uh, further movement in that market capitalization. So, Alan, to moving on to the final stock we're going to discuss today, one that we discussed on the podcast on, on numerous occasions, it's ECR Minerals. What's the latest update from them? Well, ECR, of course, have a portfolio of um, assets and interests in Australia, uh, predominantly in Victoria, but have recently uh, developed two assets in Queensland. Um, I'll go through them very quickly. There's the Kresig asset, which I'm going to come back to in a second. The Bailiston asset, which includes the Blue Moon project, which the company currently working on. Also, a Tambo, the Tambo license in eastern Victoria. Um, then in Queensland, the Lulworth um, range asset, which is near the Townsville. Um, it's... Uh, this is an asset that has a multitude of historic uh, historical workings, and the company recently discovered uh, 
rare earth metals and uh, and uh, battery metals, say lithium in particular, along with uh, many uh, many examples of visible gold in the samples that have gone to the lab. Uh, the company also has the Hurricane project, uh, which it has an option to buy into, and uh, the company is going to be working on this this year. That's going to be really exciting because Chief Executive Andrew Haythorpe would join last year. Um, that's very much his baby. He's very familiar with the territory and familiar with the asset as it's been developed prior to ECI's involvement. So that's really important. But um, but what what I think has really um, uh, engaged investor attention this week is the news from the Kresik license. Now, Kresik is um, north of the town of Ballarat. There's a famous old gold mine there, Narravane gold mine, lots of historical workings. And ECR own a property at uh, at uh, Brewery Lane, which is uh, in a little town called Springmount. And on that land, they have some historical gold workings. And uh, through uh, working and drilling there previously, uh, some very strong grades were discovered. The company also announced um, around Christmas time that um, it had discovered some new parallel, uh, a new parallel gold system that ran parallel to the existing one that had been discovered at Kresik. Um, but uh, what has come back through um, through extensive field work, soil sampling, are some pretty impressive grades. And uh, the company announced uh, yesterday that um, the that it had well, it uh, boosted its belief that Kresik is host to an extended gold system with rock chips coming back from the historical gold workings underground at the Brewery Lane property and also at the new license further south, which uh, which the company uh, recently was recently awarded. So we're, we're looking at grades over, seven, uh, over 0.7 metres, 189.4 grams per tonne of gold and 0.4 metres at 86 grams per tonne. Um, so that's on the that's on the actual uh, license at the property, um, and uh, then in the new uh, uh, the new license uh, we have 0.25 meters at 441.2 grams per ton gold and 140.8 grams per ton gold um, over 0.15 meters. So you know that that's commercial grade right there. That's really that's a really important development for the group and. Um, and certainly, um, Andrew and the team are, uh, are are very keen to sort of uh, move further, sample this further, and of course, then they'll get the drill rigs down there. Um, with ECR, of course, they have their own drill rig. They have their own Midas drill rig, and there will be another one uh, arriving. Um, I think at, uh, it, it's 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 being shipped to Melbourne at the moment, so we'll no doubt hear about that at some point in the in the next month or so. So, of course, once that arrives and, and is commissioned, they'll have two of their own rigs that they can go and drill uh, at will as opposed to having to wait and hire contractors and then schedule drilling for later on they can get on with it straight away and that's really important now of course miners as we spoke before uh, john have taken an absolute hammering uh, ecr is no exception uh, the share price is currently 0.67p and for all those assets i've just outlined um, it uh, has a market cap of just 7.8 million now the company raised money last year, so it's got plenty of cash in the bank to undertake all of its exploration activities for this year. It also has some uh, legacy assets that uh, the company is looking to, uh, to to sell that will, that will when that happens, that will raise further cash. So the company is well-funded for its activities. Um, and I think particularly given the schedule the company has this year with those two drilling rigs, um, I think we're going to sort of, we're going to hear some pretty, 
some pretty tasty developments in the not too distant future. So really excited about the future for ECR uh, in the current year. And I think uh, we're at historical lows at this moment. So um, in my opinion, the shares offer a resounding buy opportunity. But uh, that's just my opinion. Please do your own research. Yes, I mean, I was talking earlier about consumer confidence here in the UK and, and the A market. You know, it's particularly noticeable in the mining sector that, you know, regardless of company news, when we see a deterioration in consumer confidence, it's always a sector that gets very heavily hit, yeah. particularly in those companies that are in the early stages of, of exploration. And when consumer confidence picks up and you know, animal spirits return to the markets, it's always a sector... That, that tends to pick up irrespective of what's happening at the at the companies. So if we do see a continued resurgence in consumer confidence and general economic indicators here in the UK, do expect that sector to be one that benefits from that. Of course, there are companies in there which have stronger assets than others. And of course, as Alan said, do your own research in these companies. So just as a reminder of the companies that we discussed today, first up was Barrett Developments with a ticker of BDEV. It was then BP, which of course has a ticker of BP. It was then Deltic Energy, which has a ticker of DLT. And we finished off with ECR Minerals with a ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, John. So just as a note to listeners, do check out the notes of this podcast because there's going to be a link through to one of our upcoming investor conferences. It's a virtual conference. We've got three different companies presenting on the 22nd of February. That will be the first one of 2023. And over the next month, we actually have four different virtual conferences coming up. So do keep an eye on the events section of the UK Investor Magazine website it's going to be varied all the way from investment trust through to growth companies, some listed here in London, some listed overseas. So do do keep an eye out for those. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.